Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. We're going to show a video really quickly. (laughs) You. Look at your eyes. Look at them. Speckled. Colorful. Each one unique. And I created every one of them. I created everything. The universe. And you. I gave you your personality. I made you pure. Complex. And every day, I give you life. I love you. But something happened. You cheated on me. You didn't trust me. You sinned. You cut yourself off from me. And although you're still alive, you are slowly dying. So you looked for other things. To fill the void. But nothing works. It just kills you faster. And it separates us more and more. I love you, and I 
did all of this to have a relationship with you. Will you follow me? Isn't that powerful? You know, when I was growing up um, in an Italian family, I would go to church probably Christmas and Easter, most Christmas and Easter times. And um, as a little boy growing up and seeing the crucifixion and the statue of Jesus on the cross with bleeding hands, and it was horrific. It actually, I was actually quite scared, scared of it and asked my, my mum, and mum, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And in Italian, she'd say, um, that means he died for our sins. And as a kid, that just went in one ear, went out the other. Didn't mean anything to me. I didn't understand what does that even mean. And most adults still react that way to the gospel. They don't understand. It goes in one ear and goes out the other ear. They don't understand the, the weightiness of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. What did, what did it demonstrate? What was it expressing? It was expressing the very heart of God, the very love of the Father. You know, the name of the church is called Glorious Gospel Church for a reason because it's a glorious gospel. Gospel means good news. It's a glorious good news. Do you know how good news this good news is? Most people don't know how good news, how good this good news is because they don't know the good news is good news in the context of bad news. If you don't have any bad news, then you don't need any good news. If there's no context, if there's no backdrop, no real bad news, why would you need good news? So a lot of people don't realize or don't come to the grips or the overwhelming reality that there is bad news. The bad news, I have to just have to let you know, I'm going to get to the good news. But the bad news is, the bad news is that we were separated from God, as that video shows. And there are brokenness in this world. There's brokenness. It's called sin. When God created Adam and Eve, the Bible's very clear about this. He made us in his image and in his likeness. He made us like him in perfect fellowship. Why did God create us in the first place? Because of love. Love and because of relationship. And the Bible gives us a clear reason of why we exist. As a young man and as a teenager, many times I'd think, why, do I, why am I even here? What's the purpose of life? Why do we exist? All these things would go through my head, especially when I go to bed at night when there's no one around. I was a break dancer, pretty good break dancer back in the 80s. And so in the nightclubs, we were in the limelight. You know, we had crews. We traveled. We did stuff on TV. Man, in the natural, you look at our life. Wow, I'd love to be what he's doing because he's always in the limelight, whatever. We're good at break dancing. And at nighttime, when there's no one around, tears would roll down my face. And I'd think, it's such an emptiness and a loneliness. Just because you're the life of the party doesn't mean you're not lonely. So just, I, was, I was, yes, the life of the party to some degree, but deep inside I was empty. At the age of 19, thank God I had a searching heart. I was asking questions. I wanted to know why we exist. I wanted to know why we're here. What's the purpose? I believe God created Adam and Eve for one purpose, and that's to love them and to receive love, to have intimate love relationship. So we were created to have a relationship with God. But in... The fact that God made us in his image, he had to give us a free will. We had freedom of choice. And uh, as you know, most of us know the story. They chose to disobey God when God said, don't touch of this particular tree 
This tree is the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of all the other trees. There were a lot of trees in the garden. Most people don't speak about that, but there were many, many trees that they could eat from and enjoy the fruit of it and actually love the, all the trees. There was one tree which I believe represented, that this tree represented, don't do your own thing. Don't disobey me and go do your own thing. That's exactly what that tree represented. And the act of, we don't trust you, we don't believe what you're saying is the best for us, because love is always telling you to do what's the best for you. God, God is love, and He wants the best for us. And the act of disobedience, they severed and lost the presence of God. In that moment, they spiritually died. Spiritually. They lost the presence of God. And the Bible actually says they were naked and unashamed. I believe because they were clothed with the glory of God. Splendor and glory were clothing them. They didn't even see each other's nakedness. No shame, just purity and holiness. No sin, no guilt, no fear. They didn't know what selfishness was. They didn't know what hatred was. They didn't know what pride was. They didn't know what fear was. But in the act of disobedience, the presence of God left their spirit. Their spirit was still there, but spiritually died. If your spirit was white, it became black. And all of a sudden, fear gripped them. They're naked. And they found a tree. They found a tree, and they hid behind a created thing. Here's the created Hiding behind a created thing from the beautiful creator. And the, and the Lord God walked in the cool of the garden as before, looked for them and says, where are you? And Adam goes, when I heard you walk in the cool of the garden, I was afraid because I was naked. Therefore, I hid. Fear gripped his heart for the first time. And fear has pushed mankind away from God because we've done a really good job of distorting who God is. I'm talking about mankind now. And please hear what I'm saying when I'm saying this. I'm talking about man-made religion. Any man-made religion does a brilliant job of distorting who God is. Jesus Christ didn't bring religion. He brought relationship. He brought the reality of what it means to be a son of God and to walk in pure relationship with God as his father. The religious leaders of his day hated Jesus. They were jealous of him. They are the ones that crucified him. The actual religious system couldn't handle the pure Son of God, full of love. So why have we got good news? Because the bad news is this. We're separated. We've been severed from God. We lost relationship with God. We're spiritually dead. We await judgment, and there's eternal consequences in hell without God for all eternity. That's pretty bad news. Without Christ, I'm telling you, we will go to hell for all eternity, and you think, how could God do that? God's... Isn't he a God of love? Yes, he's a God of love. He's also a God of holiness and justice and righteousness. He has to do everything absolutely right. The reason why there's good news is because there is bad news. If you don't know the depth of the bad news, then you won't really understand the, the power of the good news. If you believe the bad news is real, you'll know that you need some good news. God came up with the solution. He, came, he became a man himself. You know, God is a God of justice. And he's a God of love. So God can't just go, because I'm a God of love, I'm just going to forgive everyone. You just come to heaven in your spiritually dead state. If you went to heaven and I went to heaven in my spiritually dead state, heaven wouldn't be heaven. Because I'd bring my sin, my selfishness, my ugliness, my, my self-pride, all that stuff, all that yuckiness. I'd bring it into heaven and it would pollute the happiness of heaven. So God in his love, he just can't choose, I'll just forgive you. Because he's also a God of justice. It'd be like this... A story that goes like this, 
Two little boys grew up in the same neighborhood, became best friends. They went to school together, they were absolute best friends. They went to university together, and they became uh, the, the closest friends. But after university, they sort of drifted apart. One uh, started his life, and he became a judge. The other one spiraled down in his, in his life, and he was actually become a, a lifestyle criminal. He's just a criminal. So one day, the guy gets busted doing something wrong, breaks the law, and stands before his very close childhood friend. And the judge stands there, wants to be merciful, wants to be loving, and wants to show forgiveness. This is his friend. What does he do? Can he just go, I forgive you because you're my friend? Does he not have to still uphold justice? If he just said, oh, you're my mate. Oh, no worries about this one. Let him go. He wouldn't be, able to be, he wouldn't be a good judge. right? So what, is it, what does he do? He gives the full penalty to his friend and finds him the full extent of the law. Then he comes down from his judge place, takes off his you know, judge jacket, clothes, cloth, thank you, and walks down, writes the check, and gives it to his friend and says, Here, here's the penalty, pay for it. So if that guy didn't have the money to pay for it, he'd go to jail. So he pays for it for him. He upholds his justice and he upholds his mercy and love. That's exactly what God did. He left his throne, became a man... Not just the justice and the judgment of God, because we, we all await a judgment. And Jesus Christ himself dies on the cross and pays the penalty for our sin. See, the weightiness, it's the, the, the severity of what that example is doesn't compare at all compared to, to what we've gone through. Because our penalty is far worse than just breaking the law. Our penalty is spiritual death, separated from God for all eternity. That's actually the reality Jesus said this, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you read in the Bible, it's all over the Bible. He said things like, every word that you speak and every motive that I, I act on, will, I have to give account in the day of judgment. We will stand before the judgment seat. Actually, the great white throne judgment in the book of Revelations, everyone will stand before that. And if our names aren't written in the Lamb's book of life, we don't make it. That's the bad news. I'm trying to help you understand the context of the bad news. Because the good news is the goodest news you'll ever hear in the world. The good news is that he himself became a man and he died in your place. He died in my place. As a young man, when I started to understand what Jesus did for me on the cross, I was 19 years old. When I finally started to understand that God became a man and he took my place out of love, he went there on the cross. He didn't have to die for his own sins. Jesus is without sin. He was born for a virgin birth. Lived a perfect life without disobeying God ever. He's the son of God. He does miracles, signs and wonders, walks on water. I mean, raises the dead. He shows what it's like to be in relationship with God. Then he dies on the cross in my place. I actually deserve to go on the cross. But Jesus took my place. Jesus took your place. Because the judgment... Of Almighty God, someone had to pay the price, and Jesus willingly gave up his life and died on that cruel death on the cross for us. But because he was without sin, he didn't deserve to die. Did you know that? The enemy, the devil, had no right to put death on a man who didn't sin. So when they buried him three days later, he had the power to be resurrected from the dead and to defeat sin and death and hell for all eternity, for all mankind, that put their faith in the one, Jesus Christ, who was illegally mistreated by Satan. When you put your faith in him, God will forgive you of all your sins. Let me say it this way, just to sound a little bit controversial. There's two ways of being saved. I want to get your attention. The first way that you can be saved is by being 100% perfect. And I can tell you now it's impossible. 
because everyone has sinned. So that way is already out of the equation. Don't even try to be good enough because most of us think, if you ask most people in the street, what do you have to do? What do you think you have to do to get to heaven? Most of them think, I'll be a good person. You know, don't kill, don't murder, don't be a rapist, don't be a serial killer. Just be an okay person. No, it's not the way. Most people think, oh, just be a good person. Well, what's good? We're all spiritually dead. We're all, one lie gets you out of, one lie is enough. So we're all spiritually dead. If you try to earn it, you're actually saying this to God. How good do I have to be so I can be forgiven? How good do I have to be to make it into heaven? You know, how we don't know how insulting that is. Let me explain why. If my children, my Evangeline here, our 12-year-old daughter, comes up to me and says, Dad, what do I have to do so you can love me? That would offend me. What do you mean, what do you have to do so you can love me? You're telling me I don't love you for who you are? I love you just the way you are. You don't have to do anything to earn my favor. Does that make sense? With kids, it'd be wrong if our kids think they have to earn your love. We don't have to earn God's love when he already loves us dearly. He demonstrated his love by dying on the cross himself, becoming a man and living a perfect life and dying on the cross. And anyone that puts their faith in Christ will be forgiven. And it's a contract. God's made his commitment to you by dying on the cross. But you've got to make your commitment by giving your life to him. It's a deal. If you go, oh, that's great news, Leo. Jesus died on the cross and you live your life any way you want to, then you haven't applied what he's done for you. You haven't signed your side of the contract. To sign the contract is to repent and say, God, forgive me. I, I accept you, Jesus. It's easy when you see how good he is. It's actually hard when you think that God's a cool, cruel God with a big stick, white long beard and angry at you. And every time you do something wrong, he wants to punish you. When you see God like that, it's hard to say, God, I give you my life. When you see God as a loving father, he is so loving. Jesus used an example of a prodigal son who took his father's inheritance. Do you know what that means? You as a dad work decades and decades and decades to make all this money and all this wealth. You give your child, one of your sons that want to take it, give him all the inheritance, and he goes and, and just squanders it on all these prostitutes and drugs and partying, and he just wastes it all. And then finally gets to rock bottom eating pig's food, he's so hungry, he says to himself, man, even my father's servants eat better than this. I'm going back to my dad. I just want to be a servant in his house, even if he doesn't accept me as a son. He makes his way back to his father. The Bible says the father was watching from a far distance. I think every day he always looked out on the horizon. Every day, every morning, probably weeks, months, probably years, looked out on the horizon. One day he sees his son from a distance, on the horizon. You know what the Bible says? He drops everything and runs to his son and hugs him and weeps and welcomes him home and chucks a party. Kills the fatted calf and literally celebrates. It tells everyone to come and celebrate. The son who was lost is now found. You know what? Most fathers in our day and age, like we would be angry. He wasted my inheritance. I worked decades for that sort of money. How could you do that? Be angry at him. No, not the father. The older brother was like that. If you know the story, the old brother said, how could you do that? He's wasted all your money. Wasted all your money. We worked hard for this and he just lost it all. And he's come back and you chuck a party. The older brother didn't have the same love and mercy than the father did. But the father God, Jesus is trying to say, that's how a father God is. He runs to you. You think, oh, but I wasted my life. Oh, but I've wasted years. Or I fell away from God's love and I backslid into the world and I've wasted. Doesn't matter. Come back home. He accepts you just as if you never left. Just as if you never left. The good news provides a lot of things. It provides absolute forgiveness. 
That's number one. There's a lot of things. I can't go through all the things that the, what the gospel provides, but I'm going to just give you some encouragement. Um, the first one is in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In whom we have redemption. In Jesus, we have redemption. He bought us back through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. His grace. The, the, the riches of God's grace have forgave me of all my sins. I, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to be good enough. Think about it. everything you've ever done wrong is totally wiped away, forgiven. Not even covered. Not just covered. Not just like with liquid paper and the thing's still underneath. It's deleted. It's not even there. Your sin conscience is actually gone and forgiven. Your dead spirit, this is what the Bible says, your dead spirit that was dead is resurrected by the Holy Spirit with the Word of God being the seed, resurrects your dead spirit and makes it alive. And so everything you've ever done wrong, everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven. I'm not hoping I make it to heaven. The Bible says we're already sons and daughters of God. We're already citizens of heaven. How can you be so sure? Because I'm trusting in Him, not in me. I'm not trusting in my righteousness. I'm trusting in his righteousness. I'm trusting with his love, his grace. He came up with the idea, I didn't know I needed Jesus to die on the cross. I didn't know I needed a plan of redemption, a plan of forgiveness. I didn't know I needed someone like Jesus to die on the cross. I was living my life my own way, yet God sent his son in my place. That's commitment. He's fully, fully committed to you. He's in love with you. The second thing that it brings is absolute reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 is this. Look at this scripture. It says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In Christ, what was God doing? He was reconciling the world to himself. That word reconcile means to bring back again. Not counting, this is how he does it, not counting their trespasses against them. So God is not counting your trespasses against you. Wow, that's pretty good news. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Then the next verse says, For God, for him who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, him who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. If God didn't impute, he didn't charge our sins to our account, whose account did he charge it to? To Jesus. Jesus was judged as if he was the sinner. Died on the cross as if he was the sinner. All of the, 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 all, the, all of the justice of God was consumed in Christ. The judgment that was against us was put upon Christ and he consumed the very justice of God and the judgment of God was appeased against humanity. And when you put your faith in Christ, you get a new slate, new, brand new slate. You're totally forgiven. Don't have to think, oh, but what about... Um, what I did, you know, back in 1984, I did this really evil thing. And no, that's not even me anymore. When a baby's born, do you, can you charge it or attack it for doing something in its past life? It doesn't have a past life. The Bible says about us as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word. God sees you as a newborn baby when you come to Christ. You don't have a past life because you've been forgiven. Brand new. Isn't that good news? We bring reconciliation. You know, you can't, you can't reconcile two strangers to each other. You can't use that word because they were, never, they were never together. The word re means again, to console again. You can reconcile a father and a son. If a father loses his relationship with his son, it's a strange relationship. You can reconcile that. You can reconcile a marriage, a, a, a father and a mother, or a husband and a wife. You can, you can reconcile that. So obviously that gives us inclination that we were once together mankind in Adam and Eve we were totally one with God 
and we lost the presence of God. Absolutely lost it. But Jesus Christ reconciles us to God for free. The good news is you didn't have to do anything to deserve it or earn it. If you did, it would be on our merit. We'd have to be good enough. And we're not, we don't have to be good enough. That's the good news. And I love this because it's a leveling playing field. No one is anyone, any better than anyone else. And we all need this saving grace. We all need it. We all need this forgiveness. Every single human being on the planet needs it. Amen? The next thing it gives us is purpose. Do you know in Psalms 139, verse 16, look at this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It's got to be one of my favorite scriptures because look what God, it gives us inclination about God. Look what it says. Your eyes, talking about God's eyes, saw my unformed substance. So before I was even formed in my mother's womb, God already knew what I was going to look like. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Isn't that interesting? That God's got a book in heaven, and he writes about every one of your days in heaven. Every single one, every person in this place right now, in this room, and I believe in the planet, everyone has a book in heaven that God writes about every one of your days. No way. God can't be that serious or meticulous. I mean, he's a, he is. He's that organized. He's thought about your whole life. In other words, your life has a purpose, and he's written it in a book. If God has a purpose for me, I want to know what that purpose is. I really do. And I found it. I know I found it and I'm following that purpose. But it's so exciting to, to know that you've, you know what God's purpose is. I know why I exist. But I can give you a, a quick inclination what your purpose is. The number one purpose for you is to have a relationship with God. That's where it starts. To be in love with God. To know Him. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a truth. I really believe this with all my heart. It's to have purpose with God. You know, everything God creates... Everything from a fish in a water has purpose. Take a fish out of water, it loses its purpose. Fish is designed to live in the water. It's got gills to breathe. It's got fins to swim. You take a fish out of water, it's lost its environment, it's lost its purpose. Man, it's going to die. You keep a fish in its water and it's you know, designed purpose, it's got a purpose. Every part of the fish, and fishes, fish, um, has design. You take an eagle out of the air, where it's supposed to soar above the storms and put them in a cage. It loses its ability, its instinct, its skill. It can't grow. It can't flex its wings. It's designed for a purpose, an eagle. Same with a lion, a tiger, any wild animal. Put them in a cage where it can't move. All its instinct, its, its, its gifts, its abilities, its desire to hunt. and It just loses its, its apathy. Actually, they get apathy. They get lazy. They even can get depressed. I'm telling you, animal people know. If they, if, they, if they haven't got places to roam and hunt what they were designed to do, they just get depressed and lethargic and throw me some more meat. <laughs> it wasn't designed to do that. Every animal, everything has a purpose. I believe with all my heart, even ants. What about ants? You know, the Bible has something to say about ants. Proverbs talks about ants. But ants, they get busy in the summer, get all their food, stock it up for winter. How does that happen? Purpose. God's got a purpose for ants. He's put instincts in them. and just I don't even know if they've got a brain. I don't even know if they've got enough space for a brain. But they still know to get the food in the summertime for the winter. Why? That's purpose. So you've got a, how much more human beings made in God's image? God has a purpose for every one of us. I'm, I'm saying it so strongly. You know why? Because I believe when you find your purpose, things fit together. Everything just gets together. It's like those broken plates. They just get together again. 
When you find your purpose, number four, what, the, what, what we as a church bring, because we're bringing the message of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom. This is not a gospel of some group of people or something. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Okay? Every person that believes in Jesus has the same message. Christianity is one. Do you know that? We're one. And uh, the next thing it brings is hope. It brings hope to people. But unless you find your purpose, you're not going to have hope. Because you're like the fish out of water. Like the eagle caged up. You know, we, 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 our purpose is given by God. And the number one, my number one purpose is not leading this church. It's loving Jesus. It's actually having a relationship with God. And out of my relationship with God, then I function for Him, His will, to love people. That's just that's me. And everyone's got their own different gifts. The way people got together to help make this place happen was amazing. Everyone functioned in their gifts. they God given gifts and talents and abilities by God. But hope, the Bible says this, Romans 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So the Holy Spirit comes on you, we should have more than enough hope. And I love the way it phrases the God of hope. God is a God of hope. The word hope actually means an earnest expectation of a positive future. What happens when a person loses hope? I, I believe they lose the fuel for living and they lose the motivation for life. I'm so saddened by the suicides I hear in a modern world, like in Australia, a blessed country. If I was to ask you, let me ask you, just if, if you've been... Um, if you know someone, a family member, a friend of someone that's committed suicide, just put your hand up. Look how many hands. Look, look around. That's a lot of people. It's, it's, it's horrific. But somehow they've lost hope. Somehow they think it's not worth living. There's a number of reasons I think that that makes a person... Like when you don't know that you're going to stand before God, when you're not aware of eternity is real, and you will stand before God and give account of your life, that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus taught this. And I love the Bible. It says that when we come to Christ, we have hope of eternal life and the life to come and rewards in the life to come. The Bible says a lot about rewards in the life to come. It's supposed to give us hope in this day and age. God is a God of hope. When I don't know Christ and I first found out about Jesus dying on the cross and I put my faith in his promise, because his promise is this to you and I, put your faith in God. And I'll forgive you of all of your sins. That's a promise that gives you hope for forgiveness of sins. And I'll give you eternal life with me. That's hope. It changes you. At the age of 19, it changed my whole life. It changed the course of where I was heading. I know where I was heading, and it wasn't looking good. I'm telling you. Outwardly, I was successful. Outwardly, I started my fashion designing thing at the age of 19. I, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, I, outwardly, I was quite successful going places. But you know, deep inside, I was missing something. So it's not... Oh, you needed this. You needed a crutch. I'm telling you, every person needs a relationship with God. The last thing I want to quickly talk about, or well, second last thing, I'm going to finish really quick, is instruction for life. I believe with all my heart, what's the church about? We give hope. We give faith. We teach people about faith. We teach people about um, forgiveness, which is important. Because when you know how to forgive, when you receive forgiveness, I, this is how I forgive people that hurt me. God has forgiven me millions and millions and millions of dollars of debt that I could never repay him, spiritually speaking, for free. So when someone hurts me with $20 debts, $20 offenses, I just forgive them. You know why? Because I've been forgiven so much. So I've got love to forgive. If you hurt me, I can forgive you. 
I've been hurt many times. Everyone has. But I can forgive you because of his love for me. Amen? And, and um, it teaches about life. It teaches about relationships. This book is the instruction manual from the manufacturer himself. If you just believe it, it tells you stuff about marriage, about relationship, about finances, about controlling your thoughts, about peace of mind, about how to walk in love, how to deal with offenses. It tells you everything about raising children. I've raised five children. Thank God. And, they're, and they're, they're, by God's grace, they're coming out amazing. And I sometimes think, God, that's not because of me. It's despite of me. You're doing, you're doing something amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it's God's grace that teaches you how to raise children, to love God, and to matter, and to, what, the best word I can say is invest into society, and to help impact the world and change this generation for good. Amen? That's what we raise children for, but obviously they, they are in love with God, they have their own relationship with God, and then they impact the world. And so this book is an instruction manual. I mean, some of you guys are old as me, and when you used to buy stuff, and they always come with an instruction manual. The reason why I say that, these days, you, they, they make things so easy-friendly that they don't even come with a manual. You just, just take it out and start working it. They make it so simple. But even an iPhone, unless you know the manufacturing's idea and design behind it, you don't get the fullness of what that can do with all the apps and all that stuff. But, um, you know, we used, to, we used to, anything, when you get something that's built, let's talk about a car really quickly. A car has an instruction manual. Most men won't even open up the instruction manual. They'll throw petrol in, put some oil when they had to, or to get a service and just, just as long as they know how to put petrol in and, and do the tires, you know, pump up the wheels when you need it. But if you don't know what you're doing, if you put water where the oil should go and you put oil where the petrol should go and put petrol where the water should go and you go, it doesn't really matter, just, just whatever it goes. That's how society's living right now. It doesn't matter, it's just what fits. If it just works for you, just do it. Well, you're putting water where the oil goes, oil where the petrol goes. You see if the, the motor works. You see if the car starts. Go to the manufacturing creator of the universe and find out instructions for life. That's what we as a church are supposed to do. We do have courses. We have courses for marriage and parenting and leadership and, and all these things. And uh, how to you know, function with your money and, and have manage your money correctly. There's so much stuff that the Bible has to say and teach us. We believe the church is supposed to do that. And last of all, I believe, is the love of God. God teaches, I believe, the church, the gospel, it, it, it impacts us with his love, and therefore we can love the world around us unconditionally. Not so what you can get out of it, but just to love people. And I, I think love is non-judgmental. Love uh, accepts all people. Love loves everyone. How can I be judgmental when I realize without Christ, I'm a sinner just like everybody else? So let me also talk about the, the, the leveling thing. If I think I've become a Christian and I'm because of my works, then I think I'm better than others because I earned it, but I didn't earn it. No Christian has ever earned it. So we realize we, it humbles you. I think the gospel humbles you to realize we're like everybody else. We just need a relationship with God. Amen? And it helps you to love people unconditionally. No matter what degree, in God's eyes, he doesn't even see the degree of sin. We can love people. And bring him into the kingdom. Amen? And we love and accept all people because everyone's a human being and everyone's a son, potential son and daughter of God. Amen? They need to come to Christ 100%. And that's, that's where we love them. You know, I think the, the church is called to love the community, feed the poor, you know, um, visit the elderly. I, I'm, I'm, I think the elderly are, lot, are, are forgotten in the nursing homes to a big degree. 
I got an uncle there. We visit and, you know, you ask how many people come and visit. A lot of people don't visit their own family. I know people that have worked there as chaplains, and I ask them. Yes, some people don't ever get visits from their own family. So can't the church lift up and visit and be loving and spend time with them? There are just so many things we can do. In a nutshell, this is what the church is called to do, to teach people to know God, to find freedom, to really find freedom from addiction, from all stuff that's destroying the young people and the elderly people and middle-aged people and young people like me, just to throw that into. And to discover purpose. We have to teach people to discover their purpose. And the biggest one also, because when you do all that, is to make a difference. Everyone wants to make a difference. You make a difference the way God called you to make a difference. Amen? The first step to all this is to accept the good news. It's good news. Jesus Christ paid the full penalty for your sin. And for my sin. And only you can answer this question. Do you truly have a relationship with God? Have you opened up the door of your heart and says, Jesus, I let you into my life and I want to be a Christian. That means you're a Christ follower. Jesus said this himself. If you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. He says, if you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. In other words, we need to get to a place where, you know what, I am a Christian. It doesn't matter what denomination. It's not about what group. Are you this? Are you Catholic? Are you Baptist? Are you Presbyterian? It's not about that. Are you a Christ follower? Are you a Jesus follower? So if I can ask you just for a moment to bow your heads, I want to give you an opportunity. I believe there's people in this place, in this room, that needs to make peace with God and to say yes to Jesus. Some of you, for the very first time, maybe you never understood the good news. Maybe you never understood the power of the good news, the reality of the bad, but the good news is He's given it to you for free. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and He'll forgive you of everything you've ever done, but the beautiful thing is have a relationship with Him. And there's others that have walked away from God. Maybe you've walked away from Jesus. You're not walking close to Him, and you want to just come back home. I just want to ask you right now, if you want to to accept Jesus for the first time or you're coming back home to lift your hand up we're going to pray a prayer to say yes to Jesus just lift your hand up around this room I know there's people here thank you so much there thank you just lift your hand up anybody else thank you yes to Jesus or maybe you're just coming back home thank you so much madam thank you sir at the back thank you anybody else Saying yes to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just, and if you say, Leah, I've, I've always been a believer and I've always been a, a follower. That's fantastic. Just, just reconnect. Recommit. I recommit regularly. And I've been following Him for 32 years. But I recommit. Not that I don't have salvation. It's just that, God, I rededicate my life. I, I surrender my life again. That's what I'm talking about. So if, if that's you too, just want to resend, just surrender. Say, Lord, I want to give my life fully to you. Just lift your hand up. You're surrendering. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at the back. We're going to pray this prayer. And let's, just, let's just do this together. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross 
in my place for my sins. I open up my heart. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to come into my heart. I welcome you. From this day on, I will follow you. I'll follow your word and I'll walk in love with you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of all of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. We can really, really, we can celebrate. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said when one person, one person comes back to God, like decisions were made today. When one person comes back to God, the Bible, Jesus said this, it's just phenomenal to me, that the angels in heaven celebrate. In other words, you're so valuable and so special that in heaven right now, they're celebrating. They're celebrating your decision. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.